Okay, welcome guys. Uh, so this is going to be a rather informal session of uh, what will hopefully become a regular business podcast of ours. This morning, uh, we published uh, an article about self-employed um, and that resonated with the uh, internal team at least. So that's why we decided to do a podcast this evening just to, to summarize our team's thoughts on it. So my premise is, you know, self-employed people are getting penalized simply because of the status of their business ownership compared to, to someone who may be, you know, um, as Ira states, a shareholder director, you know, and he could be in charge of an equally big or small company. But in my calculation, at least he gets a lot more government grants. So, yeah, so my first question, I just want to pose it to Timothy because I know he's coming into this um, all guns blazing um, from, from our chats before this. And uh, I know he has some strong points on why this may not be true. So let's start. Okay, last year, the government distributed about $9,000 through the SIR scheme, right? And, and that's a, it's a mouthful, right? It's a self-employed person's income relief scheme. So the criteria last year was very relaxed and some self-employed people who may not even have been earning $9,000 probably was eligible for the $9,000 payout. Now, I'm not 100% sure, but you know, it's informal. So I, I think that was what happened. Lah, okay? This year, it feels like the opposite. Um, the payout isn't very high and the criteria is certainly not relaxed um, as compared to last year. So Tim... Do you think that self-employed persons this year are being hard done by? Okay, look, I, I do agree with you that um, the level of government support this year in 2021 has been way lesser than 2020. And for the record, and you can go and read my articles, I do think that in 2020, the government kind of overcompensate the level of support that they needed to give both for businesses and self-employed people, right? So this year is tailored down both for businesses and self-employed people. So if you look at businesses, for example, right, uh, company, most companies are not getting any GSS support in 2021 in spite of what looks like somewhat of a lockdown right now, right? So all of us are working from home, yeah. but there's no GSS for us, right? Unless you are in certain industry like the FMB sector or the retail sector, which are obviously uh, severely affected. I, I think that the self-employed people may feel like they're not getting the level of support that know they got last year and that's probably true but so are businesses not getting that same level of support so um i mean if you ask me uh would they feel hard done by i think to some extent uh, they may but that's because they are comparing it compared to what they got in 2020 which i think was to some extent way too much so i think you bring up a very good point right businesses are definitely so businesses here means you know um incorporated as private limited um self-employed usually are in sole props or partnerships um, so, okay, I, let's talk I, about... I think that's not yeah. really true, right? So when you look at businesses, it doesn't matter what the legal entity is. It could be a partnership. It could be a limited liability partnership. It could be a private limited or so prop, right? These are all considered as businesses under ACRA. So um, as a self-employed person, uh, but you aren't necessarily a business as a self-employed person. So I think we have to strike that distinction. Mm, okay, fair point, fair point. Um, okay, we, we can come, that, come back to that later, um, but that's just incorporation, right? So, so I think Angela might have a fair bit to say about the incorporation, but let's move to um, comparing apples to apples. Let's say, and I did the calculation, and you guys probably have read it in my article as well. Um, so a business yes, I did. Is like yes, very I did. similar, yeah, very similar, uh, running very similar affected businesses. I'm, I'm going to just use the quote here, affected businesses, as the government likes to put it now. Um, so let's say the, the shareholder director. So employees for both um, entities get the same amount of JSS. You know, it's only the business owner level that we're talking about now. So on the JSS, um, a shareholder director will be eligible for about 60% of uh, payouts. 
um, in, the, in the most current uh, version. Um, compared to self-employed, um, and I really hope someone says that I read it wrongly, um, but I think I didn't. The only thing that they're given in the most latest um, phase two um, support is that you know the deadline for when they can apply for the COVID-19 recovery grant temporary has been extended from 30 July to 31st August 2021. So essentially, they're getting nothing new. Whereas businesses in a very similar um, arena, or very similar space, will get 60% JSS actually. So yeah, I mean, Angela, no. do you have... Uh, Tim, I think can go ahead first, yes. We haven't brought Angela no. into the conversation. La. <laughs> okay, let, let me go first and then uh, I'll just go quick, right? Look, the JSS yeah. is meant to support jobs, local jobs, right? It's meant to keep people in this affected industry employed, local workers, right? It isn't a... You shouldn't see it as a way for the business owner to get more money because he has to incur the cost in order to get the JSS support, right? Uh, whereas when you talk about the, a similar or not a similar comparison, but like a self-employed person applying for grants, uh, which is your temporary or COVID-19 relief grants, I think, uh, this is uh, a grant that is given uh, in the absence of incurring any costs, right? So the self-employed person don't actually have to pay someone in order to get the subsidies. So I think we need to look at the GSS as a way to protect jobs as opposed to uh, making it sound like it's a way for business owners to get more revenue because they can't get more revenue uh, because they only get the money if they incur the cost. Yeah, no, I think that's one of the most uh, valid uh, reasonings for, for the discrepancy. Like, you know, businesses, you know, they, they get 60%, but they're still forking out 40% right out of their pockets, actually. Um, not even including CPF, actually. Whereas, yeah, you're right, self-employed persons, they're just getting it. You know? uh, maybe you can argue that they have to contribute to the Medisafe, but that's another conversation. Like. Um, so yeah, Angela, I just wanted to ask you, for someone who's a business owner, let's say we're, we're not comparing very big companies, you know, we're just comparing like one-man shows. There are one-man shows who are running private limited companies as well. Um, and let's say for such businesses, you know, they are probably still obliged to pay themselves 100% and therefore get 60%. You know, but what, how, what do you think about the discrepancy there that they're similar businesses and we're talking about the very small ones here. They're getting a lot more um, government support. Yeah, I mean, I think that there is a big issue because if you look at this round, right, we are really, the industry really affected are F&B and fitness. And these have a lot of small micro businesses, right? One man shows, maybe two persons, partnership kind of arrangements. And just how you're incorporated will make a huge difference in the level of support you're getting, right? Um, the sports has their sports industry has their sports resilience package, right? And the JSS is I think sixty percent right now. Yeah. Uh, but if you are a self-employed, self-employed meaning you incorporated as a sole prop or as a partnership. You're getting nothing, even if you're running the same business. Even if you're uh, running a studio business, but you hire freelance instructors and you don't have a full-time employee, you're not getting any support. Because one, the operating grant requires you to have received previous JSS support. And if you are a new business, you wouldn't have that history, even if you are incorporated as a, a private limited. And if you are uh, self-employed, you definitely have no GSS history as well. So you are definitely out of the running for 
any 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 of that support in that grant. Can I can I just jump, yeah, jump I see Timothy wanting to jump in already. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I, I just want to jump in here to clarify and I hope I'm right in the clarification because the how the companies is incorporated has no bearings on whether or not they get the JSS, right? So even if you are so proud of partnership, but as long as you are paying um, salary to your worker or even to yourself and with the CPF contribution, you do get the JSS support. So the, the question isn't so much of how mm. the company in, is incorporated, but more so of whether the person who are being employed are actually full-time employee of the company, whether they are business owners or just non-business owners, it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, that's a fantastic point actually, right? Um, mm. But you know, to Angela's point, um, the self-employed people may be, and I, I hope I'm not, you know, trying to generalize here, but I know they're usually smaller outfits, you know, one-man shows, maybe without as much resources, and, and maybe even older people who, you know, maybe didn't really know which company or which entity they should be incorporating back then. Um, obviously, they had less online resources to refer to, like dollars and cents business. Um, shameless plug-in there. But yeah, you know, some of these people, maybe they don't know the... I mean, just to quote my dad, for example, every time I talk about a grant, he just gets turned off. You know, he says he'll never get it. Um, and I'm sure many, maybe slightly older people who are self-employed have the same attitude towards it. And at the same time, you know, I have to ramble on a bit, but I have to bring up that, you know, the documentation process for the, just to get that 2,500 or up to 2,500 for CRG grants for self-employed is really tedious. Let me just read to you some of the, the things that they require. And bear in mind, none of this applies to a self, I mean, a, a shareholder director, okay? And employees, it doesn't matter. Yeah, we're just talking about apple to apple, so business owner to business owner here. So if you are a shareholder director who lives in a property with an annual value of over 21,000, you still get it, right? So self-employed people cannot. If they live in a property with annual value of over 21,000, 21,000, they will not be able to be eligible. Um, so basically must you ex- must be a HDB owner. Yeah, can't so live in exactly a condominium. The, and, and there's no restrictions for business owners. You can own a... Uh, I think what Singaporeans dream of today, a uh, good class bungalow and still be eligible for the... No, no. Uh, eligible, eligible for the JSS, which is meant to protect jobs. They don't... The, the business owner or whatever, they do not get the money uh, because it's meant to protect jobs, which means the company has to pay the salary in order for, yeah. for them to receive the subsidies. No, I think, Tim, you bring up a very good point. So let me give you a more pointed question at this point. Let's say it's a one-man outfit. We're just comparing two business, one-man yep. outfit. One is a self-employed. One is a um, private limited company. And they're just doing the same thing. They're selling, and this example is in my article, actually. They're yep. selling drinks in the CBD, right? So there's no workers there right now. Uh, both of them have to continue working or have to continue supporting their families, right? Unfortunately, one of them is self-employed. Uh, the other one actually still has the, the means to get JSS payouts, lah. How, how no, do no. you explain the discrepancies in support there? No, I, I saw your example this morning and I, I, I know what you were trying to say, but here, here's the issue I have with, with it. You've got to ask yourself, why the self-employed person, firstly, has he or she incorporated a company? I think in your example, your point was that they may not have incorporated the company, which I just like to add is a problem on its own, right? Because if you're selling the Accra uh, explanation is very clear. If you conduct your business in any way, unless you're using your full name as reflected in your NRIC, you must incorporate a company, right? So, so the, the comparison is, 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 is fine, 
But the problem is, why is a person who is owning a drink store probably, uh, for example, Timothy Ho drink store or like drink store, whole family drink store, not having incorporated the company, right? So that is really the first question. And I think that while it may seem unfair, the, the bigger question really is why the individual has not incorporated the company. Typically, there's a few reasons for it, right? The first yes. is usually yeah. if, let's say I'm a uni student right now and I want to start some online business, right? The whole process of starting incorporating a company, that's a little bit, you know, tedious. And I can understand why, yeah. you know, Let me just to cut in a little bit. Hope we don't lose your train of thought, but you know, partnerships are also, um, you also ah. consider self-employed in partnerships. No, but you could And you're pay, incorporated. You are incorporated, but you could pay uh, a proper salary uh, to yourself, right? So, so that is... Yeah. is but you will be covered under JSS in this situation. You yes, will be covered under you will partnership. not be. As a you will not be. As a salary. Yes, as a partnership, you're not, you're not eligible for JSS. And you, you, you can't get the JSS payout, not even as a director. You can't. Okay, yeah. that is... I didn't realize that. Okay, okay, good point. But I, let me just continue on, on what I was saying previously, yeah. which was about incorporating a company, right? So typically, what's the problem is that, like, say, for example, we are starting um, an online business as a uni student, right? By right, you must incorporate a business because you are probably creating your own brand. But I can understand why first-time entrepreneurs, they're not going to go first thing to go uh, register under Accra, put their name as a director and stuff like that. You just want to get, get the flow, get going first. Then once you know you're in it for sure, then you think about it. But often, sometimes what happens is that people just don't do that, right? They just don't do that. They just continue running the business. Uh, even for years, for example, they might just continue running the business. And what happens is that a lot of the early days paperwork, a lot of the early days uh, notification, like what's your SSIC code? What business are you in? These things are just not uh, documented. These things are just not filed in the early days, right, to, to the authorities. And what happens is that many years can sometimes happen, can sometimes go, right, on and off. Uh, and, and obviously, you know, nobody expected COVID, but once COVID came, and, and we can see now, SSIC code becomes so important, right, because you're given grants, you're yep. being told whether you can uh, continue uh, operations or not based on your SSIC code. And the question here really is, JSS uh, aside, but so many other things, right? How, how is the authority going to assess you if you have not registered your company? And that's where all the arguments about documentation, why must a self-employed person file in so much documentation, then it comes into play, right? Because there is just no uh, official documentation as compared to say a company, maybe even a small company, like in your drink store, example, one man, two man show, yeah. where he has that, the SSIC code being registered and he has maybe even clear CPF contributions being made as, a, as an employee to himself or maybe to a, even a part-timer, for example then that person would not have any uh, problems getting the GSS payout. But that's also because, and let's not forget, a lot of the paperwork has been filed uh, either on, at the start or on a monthly basis where CPF contributions are made, where uh, pay slips are given out. So I think we yeah. can't ignore that fact. It's, it's, I, I get the frustration, especially what Angela pointed out, older people may not have all this documentation. But we need yeah. to re realize that, you know, there is actually a lot of paperwork, a lot of documentation that comes with running a business, which is why sometimes people prefer to not do so. Uh, but it, it comes back to haunt them like, in this instance. 
And I haven't even gone through the entire list of stuff that, you know, the, the CRG people need, I mean, the self-employed people need to <laughs> I think we have handle. time, you should go on, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, so the next one is actually a bit ludicrous as well, right? So they don't just have to prove that they are from that affected industry, but they also has, have to experience income loss due to COVID-19 for three consecutive months. Okay, that's, that's a very specific phrasing there. Um, their gross household income also cannot be more than $7,800 per capita. Um, or not more than $2,600 uh, for per capita. Sorry, the $7,800 is the, the gross household income. Um, the net trade income loss must have taken place after 23rd Jan 2020. Um, okay, so this one is a bit of a misnomer or a bit non-relevant because it's 23rd Jan 2020. That's fine. Um, and they also cannot be receiving other grants at the same time, um, such, such as you know, the SG United Mid-Career. Okay, these, these are a bit more valid. But to point out the next two, they must be experiencing income loss, not just uh, proving that they are in that affected sector. Is that too much? Because a similar private limited company do not have, does not have to prove that. For me, what stands out about yeah. that is that if your household income is above 7,000, right? Or 7,000 yes. 7, something, right? 7,800. 7,800. Yes. So the moment your spouse earns a decent income that, you know, potentially you will have a relatively well-to-do spouse, right? Who's earning a pretty good income. You're, but your own personal business is suffering. You are not eligible at all. Uh, Angela, you just used the word businesses and uh, the, the issue with it is that um, we're talking about self-employed people and not businesses. So if, if, your business is affected, um, but you are, let's say, incurring costs and you're in the right industry and stuff like that. You do get that, that payout, the JSSP or rental reliefs or whatever that qualifies, right? What, what it's not given is essentially um, self-employed earnings are, are not compensated as easily as in 2020, right? That, that is the main thing. It's not just that. Because to me, partnerships, so what happened in my personal experience is that it's a partnership. You're not eligible even though you're running as a business. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. in your example, Angela, you, I mean, let's say your spouse earns a lot and therefore you don't receive. So he has to somehow compensate your partnership business, right? That's what the government is yeah, kind of alluding to. Yeah, which kind to. of like doesn't make sense, right? My business is my business, but why is my spouse kind of liable for my business? Yeah, and that's and, having incorporated a company, right? It's, and it's, I have I mean, incorporated a, a company. Yeah, they made a great yeah. point about so props, they may not have incorporated, but partnerships are the one where maybe uh, a lot of uh, self-employed are, are finding themselves in a bind. Yeah, because you think that you have incorporated your company, you have done the proper paperwork, and then you realize that actually no, the government doesn't think you're a business. You're a self-employed person, and you're not eligible for all these grants, and you jump all through all these hoops. Another thing about uh, this is that as an operating under the sports industry, uh, under operating grant, you have to jump through additional hoops whereby you have to do things like um, apply for the SG clean mark. Mm -hmm. And this is something that you would, additional paperwork that businesses have to do. Yeah. But Angela, as a maybe you can elaborate person, a little bit more here. Um, I didn't see anything in the, the supposedly $1.1 billion COVID-19 support package this time around, but do, do gym owners and fitness instructors get um, grants also under the um, 
uh, uh, actually support sports scheme, is it? Sports resilience scheme. So yeah, sports resilience package. Okay, I, so I didn't right see now, it. Yeah. Maybe you can elaborate a little bit. Right now, because of JSS, they do not cover the the income component, right? The the employees' income component, but they do cover yeah. operating costs. Mm. And the rental part is also covered under the rental support scheme. So it's just yeah. the loss of uh, your business expenses. Um, but in this case, as a self-employed person who owns a gym business, you are kind of disadvantaged. One, because you're not getting the JSS. And then because the operating grant no longer covers uh, wage, wage support because it's supposedly covered under JSS, you yep. get very little support in terms of operating grant. And on top of that, you still have to jump through the hoops just to apply for the operating grant. Uh, meaning you have to submit all the additional documents. You have to sub prove that you have a loss of income, a revenue, and you still have to do things like uh, apply for, qualify for the SG Clean Mark, which is additional costs and expenses because you need to have certain cleaning cleanliness standards just to get that. I mean, that's a good question. Maybe something you can post them as well. How about the partnerships in Singapore? You know, should they be the one feeling hard done by rather than the self-employed under so props? I think poss I think possibly based on what you guys are sharing with me. I think possibly. So uh I mean that's another topic that I think we can actually deep dive into if we want to. Uh but yeah, if you say that partnerships, maybe they, they feel quite hard done by 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 some of the things that I'm hearing uh, from you guys being discussed. And also, you know, if I just read through $7,800 of gross household income, it's not a lot. Um, it's less than the median income. So essentially, that if, two, if a couple are earning less than the median income um, and both are self-employed, they will still not get a lot of support, um, even though they may have a lot of liabilities or they may have a lot of ongoing daily uh, expenses, right? We're not talking about very rich people here. These are people yeah. earning less than the median income. I think it's, um, it's a difficult question, but let me phrase it in a different way, right? So for example, you're talking about the GSS payout and how it's unfair that you know, certain companies are still getting it. But the GSS payout is also capped, right? So for example, if Dinesh, I'm paying you in the F&B industry $200,000 a month for your salary, I won't, but let's yeah. say I'm paying you $200,000. The, the subsidies is to, that I get is also just going to be like a percentage or so of, of that, right? So the whole idea is that we're not going to support, whether it's GSS or, or self-employed relief schemes, we're not going to support uh, the people who are very rich, right? So if you are very rich or you're paying your staff an, an astronomical salary, you know, you're not going to get that support. Or even if you get the support, it's going to be very, very little, right? And I think the yeah. same logic kind of applies to the uh, self-employed schemes where, you know, if you are earning... 20,000 or if your household is only 20,000 and you suffer a loss of income, you know, you're not going to get that, that $500 or that $1,000. It makes sense to me, but you know, I, I guess the question could be 7,800, you know, too low uh, or, or too low or, or too high, you know, uh, should it be even higher, right? I mean, I guess that's the question, but um, I, I think the whole idea is that, you know, the government is not intending to support anyone who is, who is basically rich. Yeah. I think, yeah, we've come like, you know, we've chat quite a fair bit about it. I think maybe you can end off here. We can let the, the viewers have their own questions or have their own opinions about it. Um, hopefully, if you guys like this 
uh, podcast enough, we'll do more of it. Um, hopefully not coming back to the same topic, but exploring new topics in the future. So uh, yeah, do support us for future podcasts. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. See you guys. Bye.